Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today we're joined by the wonderful Sarah Pigeon to talk all about her role in Tiny Beautiful Things. And in in starting to talk about how you approach this character, I think what's so beautiful in watching the series and the way that you and Catherine Hahn have, have shared this character at different times in her life is there's ways in which the two of you have kind of specifically thought about shared mannerisms and shared details in the character. And yet it also feels like there's a freedom for your version to be different to hers, which feels so important because you're playing her right from her late teens all the way up to about 30. And so even within that version, there's so much growth and so much change in who she is over those years. Mm -hmm. And so how did you set about finding where you really wanted to have a lot of alignment with Catherine and what she was bringing in her performance and where you felt like it was really important to create that separate space for the character as well? Yeah, I mean, when I first got this, there's like, you automatically put this pressure on yourself, right? Because you are playing the same person, but like in no world were we able to, you know, was I able to give Catherine my script and have her do a scene and, you know, vice versa. And, you know, we were never encouraged to like imitate one another or um, like there was, it was, we were encouraged to have so much freedom, even though we were playing the same character, but within our individual roles. But we had some workshops where we developed like a bit of a physical language. And I think more than anything, it really woke up this, like the tone of the piece and um, really encouraged us to bring our own individual experience, like our, our truthfulness as individuals to the roles, which I think allowed for us, for all of the characters to be really grounded and really believe, you know, believable. And that sort of helped as a through line as well, that we were all sort of in the same world because these workshops sort of woke it up for us tonally. Um, and I think, you know, I've, I've looked up to Catherine Hahn for, I, she's in some of my favorite films. I just think she's an incredible actor. So like when I got this audition, it was a no brainer. Um, but I think just she approaches the work with such like raw honesty and like there's sort of an epicness and like you see, you see her characters just like go through so many ranges of emotion and such highs and such lows that, you know, I, I think in any way, I was just like trying to channel her fearlessness in that. Um, but then at, in that same breath, like an understanding that she, her character is a sum of these parts that my character is experiencing. And, um, you know, she, of course she acts differently because, um, you know, in her 40s, she knows what she didn't know in her 20s. Um, but I think something else that made our characters seem so that there was a through line to it was was the writing really at the end of the day, because it the rhythm in which she spoke, the words that she used, the things that set her off, I, you know, were consistent throughout it. Um, you know, how she spoke of her mother and her brother and um i think so much of it is a testament to the writing but then also as a production of the whole just really encouraging us to so the motto was like bring your messy broken heart to it and i think everyone did that on their their own level um which made for a lot of cohesion in in the piece I also think the emotional space of, of the version of this character that you're inhabiting is really interesting to watch in terms of what it asks of you as well, because, you know, that idea of, of emotional highs and emotional lows is, is so at play, at, particularly in her younger years, where there's this kind of 
emotional impulsiveness that everybody has at that stage in life. And so how did you set about finding the different levels in terms of how far you wanted her to carry her emotions? Because the the way that she responds emotionally at 18 is different to 28. I don't think I really had like a, a certain measure on it, you know, of like, this is when she'll be a seven or this is when she'll be a 10. But I think, you know, like there's a reason that we're seeing these certain moments in her life because these are the most impactful memories that she has. And when she's responding to these letters, these are the things that she's, you know, holding on to and recollecting. Um, so I think what really helped in so much of this was like the scene partners that that we had that I had, you know, it was just so lucky to be working with such like generous scene partners that were also very specific, I think, in their characters, you know, working with Merritt Weaver was like an absolute dream, you know, be able being able to feel like love for someone who was a complete stranger to me at the beginning of July. And like, she just came to set with such warmth and such openness. And like, you know, I think that when she when you hear the news that she has this terrible cancer diagnosis, it's like, that informs the scene of, you know, what is the thought that Claire will lose this Frankie and, um, you know, how, how Frankie is not going to, you know, sort the, the quarters with her because she is resigned that this is her terrible, this is her fate. And, you know, like the scene plays out and the intensity plays out because of the interaction between everyone. Um, same with Owen Painter playing Lucas, you know, it's, he informs me just as much as I inform him and, you know, how intense does she get? How, how big is the fight and how, how much does his passiveness frustrate her? So I think, you know, in all of our takes, there were different variations of like how intense are these moments and, or how sort of reserved are these moments. But I think in the main, Claire is someone who's incredibly impulsive and, um, you know, she kind of throws herself at things, whether or not it's like towards a distraction or like towards a solution or at a conflict. Um, she's sort of always like zero to 60 uh, or zero to, zero, zero to 60, zero to 100. Um, yeah, she's, she's, I think, the hardest scenes to film were the ones that didn't feel absolutely intense. Um, you know, it's like when, when things are okay, who is this person? You know, cause I think there were a couple of weeks there where I was like crying or drunk or, you know, sleeping with someone. And, you know, those, those are like such intense moments. And then what does this person do when like, she is actually okay and or like before her mom dies you know how does she exist in that world when, when things are okay it was an interest yeah it was interesting to sort of maneuver but <laughs> i mean it's especially because wasn't the first scene that you filmed for the entire series um the funeral scene or, or one of those moments around it and so what was that like in terms of going into one of the more emotionally intense moments that for your very first scene but then like you said there's the challenge of who is she in the quiet moments who is she when she's happy and who is she when she doesn't know that this is going to happen in her world yet and so what was that experience and kind of going into a starting in a scene like that 
and then almost kind of walking backwards journey-wise to find that other side of her. Yeah, I think, you know, Owen and I showed up when we were at a funeral home and the first scene we filmed was when we walked in and then we find out that she needs underwear. Um, and that, that's actually something that happened in Cheryl's life. Um, and, you know, just hearing her talk about like this, like there's so much stuff. There's so much that you have to do when someone dies. And then like this ridiculous thing of them having to be buried in in underwear. It's like the last thing you want to think about. So I think, and it's also quite comedic. Um, so it was this interesting scene of like knowing that there are these comedic moments, but not trying to force that because what makes it funny is that it's real and that people laugh when they like see themselves. And, but then also, you know, preparing of like, what is this weight of like this final act that you can give your mother of like, this is what she's going to be dressed in. We want this photo next to her heart. And knowing that this is sort of the last time that you can actually like be with her physical body. Um, But, you know, I think it was sort of just like any first day, you know, even though the scene was was intense, uh, you're just like, oh, God, I hope they're not like looking at the screen and thinking, what did we do? You know, Um, but I actually was in the scene with um, with one of my uh, classmates from Carnegie Mellon. So that was like such an awesome surprise. Um, and sort of full circle in that way of like, oh my God, we, we've known each other for so long and suddenly we're on the set together. Um, so I think that sort of made it exciting and a little less daunting. Um, but in terms of like, who is this person when she's alone and, and trying to figure out, trying to figure that out, um, I think a lot of that came from the relationships before Frankie passes, you know, and and also understanding of how that plays into the piece that we're telling of like, you receive a gift that you're not that stoked about. And do you think that this person is always going to be there? So you don't necessarily have to, you know, you know, my job in that was to show her dislike of the jacket and like, it's okay that I don't like the jacket and that we can return it because my mom's, we're going to be around for another Christmas and another Christmas and another Christmas when, you know, and then obviously when Catherine's Claire reflects on it, it's like, that's the last reaction that she wants to have now. Um, so I think so much of it was like in those moments was to not be precious about it, you know, because they're the, the, those moments are so fleeting in her life because they're bookended by these really tragic events. So like what makes them lighthearted is that because they're not like, she's not savoring them it's just another day and um yeah like sort of taking her her mother for granted in moments and um you know not heeding her advice when she says maybe you should take a second and not get married when you're 20. um yeah i think just playing this the simplicity of those moments i think in general whether or not it's that she was okay or if it's an intense moment it's like what is what is actually what's like the the root of this what is the scene like it doesn't need to be complicated um but once again i think the script helped so much with that because it was just it was just raw and, and truthful and real and the way they wrote the characters you know people talked like real people um so that always helps and you were bringing up before um, the the scene where right after she's find, found out about 
her mother's diagnosis, there's that moment of just counting the change. And it's just, it's such a, such a real moment because it's that I need to find a solution for this in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's such a different page to what Frankie's on because she's already gone through processing that stage of, of the news. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've heard you say that that was actually one of the most challenging scenes for you to film in the series. And so what, what were the aspects of that, that made that one of the most challenging moments for you? I think it's, it was, she is coming up with these solutions really, really quickly. And it's like the biggest thing that's ever happened to her. I think it was just like Sarah, the actor was trying to juggle, juggle the emotion. And then also like Claire's rational brain at the same time. And like, I think there were just a couple of times when we were doing it where like, it just felt really clunky, you know, and like, it just, it, it didn't feel right um and slowly but surely we were able we were able to get there um but i think it's you know it's like before frankie's death this is the worst thing that's happened to her um you know since she was a little girl and everything that have you know fleeing her father um but i think it's that was sort of like the first uh the first real conflict in her life and like she's throwing herself at it. So how does someone throw themselves at something and then also somehow like make an action plan and then also be met by her brother and her mom telling her to, to that we're, that this isn't gonna help. And so then it's not just shock and, you know, and she's not like grieving yet because she hasn't, sorry, I have a fruit fly. Um, <laughs> there's, there, I have an infestation. Um, they're not they're not grieving yet because she's not accepting that this is happening but it's she's angry and then how does that anger build when like no one's helping her and then then hearing from her mom that like she has a she has terminal cancer and that there is no cure and there is no treatment and it's i think it's just like sorting out as sarah what the information is and then also as claire trying to like take this all in but then also strategize it was yeah and then it's also sad like it, that's the last thing you ever want to hear from anybody um that something's really wrong and can't be fixed um so i think that reality also existed um yeah i guess that's why it was really difficult in, in in terms of of the character's journey as well it feels like once she loses her mom there's kind of there's certain instances where there's a space of real stillness in amongst the world just continuing to move around her. And, you know, the the graduation scene where she's there accepting uh, a graduation certificate for her mom posthumously is like one of those moments where it's like you really just get that sense of how outside of everyone's spaces she feels. Um, and so how did you set about wanting to create just that real idea of of kind of a different a different space and motion in her world than everyone around her and just the isolation that comes with that i think the voiceover really helped like Catherine's claire's reflection of it you know here i am my mom was supposed to my mom died spring break and now what it's it's may and she's gone and she's being honored at this graduation but i didn't even i couldn't pull it together to graduate and like 
you know, those are all seeing that written on the page. That's everything that she is feeling. Just like this is not how it was supposed to go. And this is a happy day for everyone around me. Like, I, I think that scene when that that shot when Claire comes out of the graduation and then the caps are thrown and then it's just her husband, Jess, and her brother, Lucas. And like, that's that's the world that's like their entire world just had a bomb go off inside of it. And like, no one else is, is affected by it really. And I think it feels quite isolating. I think it's, I think that moment for Claire was just like trying to keep it together. And, um, you know, I think those moments were like the, the first time in days where she hasn't cried. Um, you know, and then she can only keep it together as long as she's walking down the aisle and then she she breaks down. So I think it was. I, I think also reflecting on my own experience is. There are those moments where you cry and cry and cry so much and it's like you don't even have the energy to like you're so emptied out. You're so hollow. You're so tired. You don't know how many days have passed and. You know, I think like all of us can look at one moment in our lives where we had to do something and like just did not have any strength to do it or like any emotional willpower power to do it. Um, not to mention it was incredibly hot that day. So I think that's sort of just like really, <laughs> you know, chill, chilled me out to a certain extent. Um, I actually burned my feet at one point walking up onto the podium because I didn't want to wear the shoes. Um, and it was a black, like plastic stage and the bottom of my feet just like, got scorched. Uh, there's photos of me with like an ice bag and my like bare gross feet sitting on top of them. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's funny that such a random thing happened in such a sad, sad day. <laughs> I, I also think like one of the things that the show captures really beautifully is that idea that everybody exudes a lot of behaviors, particularly in, when dealing with grief, where you don't even know why you're doing things the way that you are. And there's this kind of self-sabotage element to it as well at times, like with what you're just talking about of, you know, she couldn't hold it together to finish her degree, even though she was so close to the end. And that's something that she's so passionate and cares about so much. Or, you know, when she's cheating in her marriage, she doesn't really fully understand why she's doing it and why she needs to act out in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and so how did you find that space within her of creating a lot of actions and motions for her as a character, but in a space where she doesn't have the ability to kind of be self-reflective yet because that's the journey of the later version with Catherine. Yeah, I speaking to Cheryl about it, because um, I think the struggle was as Sarah, I want justification. Why is she doing this? What is the thought process? And it's like there there isn't like she's not calculating this. It's Cheryl said that um, she had to. It's about blowing up Claire's life to show how much her mother mattered. And, you know, another line that Claire has is I can't be good without her, you know, and of course she can be, but it's like the love of her life is gone. And I think in her sleeping with other people at, at one point, she um, uses drugs, um, you know, she doesn't finish school. Um, what else does she do? 
I mean, that's sort of what we explored in, in the series, but it's not that she's planning it. I think it's like she's just throwing herself at something, whatever's in front of her. Um, you know, it's it's like not really until that that moment outside the club with Lucas that she's like the guilt sort of comes out, you know, of like I'm I'm cheating on Jess. And, you know, that guilt hasn't stopped her from continuing this behavior. Um, but I, I think it's less like she's not really trying to blow up her marriage. She just is. And because she has to, <laughs> like, it just, I think she just sort of fell into things and not passively, like she like launched herself into things and there was no point in her reflecting on it or no point in her, you know, taking a moment of pause beforehand because the only thing that mattered was gone. Um, and in, in particular with, with finishing school, you know, the assignment was to write about the impossible becoming possible. Um, and the reason that she can't write it is because like the impossible just happened in her life. And how can she even, she cannot begin to make sense of it. She will never make sense of it until potentially the end of the show, if that's how you want to look at it. But you know, that's why she can't bring herself to write about this essay. Like it's almost too real. Um, so she throws herself into other things or just distracts herself enough. Um, but yeah, I, I think that sometimes was a challenge, but it was, I had to relieve myself of like, sort of connecting the dots, um, you know, because she's, she's like sleeping with her high school bully like who she doesn't particularly like, <laughs> you know, it's not until that final, you know, at graduation where he hugs her and shows like kind of real compassion that, and, and like, I don't think it was, it was never about him. Like that moment of connection is just because she's finally being comforted. Um, and I think her grief is being seen by someone outside of her family. Um, but yeah, I guess what, what's complicated about Claire is that sometimes she's like incredibly uncomplicated. Um, and she's, yeah, she's like just powered by like rocket fuel at some moments because she has like sort of no way to steer her ship. She's just, yeah, she's like aimless, but with like so much energy. And and with your performance in particular in the show and and where we're seeing Claire, in essence, all of these scenes exist as a memory and yet they all feel incredibly present. But then there are those really interesting moments where it's kind of Catherine's in a scene and then all of a sudden you're present in the scene and it kind of flows back and forth between the two of you at certain instances within the present day as well, or her kind of physically stepping into one of the scenes from the past. And so what, what was the dynamic that you both found for yourselves in terms of just even tonally, what feels right for how to approach scenes like this, because it's, it's kind of breaking down the narrative structure in a way, but yet it feels so seamless when you watch those moments. Yeah, I, I think it's this idea that like all of these moments are with you in everything you step experience. Like we are a sum of our experiences and what happened to Sarah 10 years ago informs how I 
act now. Um, I think there are some moments when I step into the present of like that 20 year old is still very much present inside of her. Um, and um, I think when Catherine steps into um, back into the memory, you know, it, it's, it's reflective. It's, it's seeing it differently than, than the 20 year old Claire could see. Um, you know, thinking about that scene in the pharmacy when says, when she says, you know, if they give you any trouble, just tell them that, that you're my daughter. And I think in, in that instance, you know, Catherine can, can probably talk more about this, but, um, you know, she's reflecting on this moment because this show is so much about mothering, being mothered, mother being motherless. Um, and, um, you know, I think that that moment is just, it shows just how much of a part of that identity, how, how much that is a part of Claire's identity and, you know, how much it's grown in the 25 years since her mother passed, that that is like the bedrock of who Claire is. Um, and I think it was, it was not so much of a discussion of like, what is this tonally? Like, what is the essence? I think it was sort of like, it was just sort of unspoken of like what these moments were, you know, and it was, it, I think that scene at the, in the finale, when it's the different Lucases and the different Claire sort of battling it out, you know, it's like, I think it's such a cool way to show the sibling dynamic of like seeing their younger selves, how they bicker and how like how much of that is, has stayed the same in their adulthood and also like how they've grown and fought differently. Um, but yeah, I think so much of those moments for that, like these people, these different lives exist within you all the time. I love that. And it's, it's such a beautiful performance that you've given throughout the entire show. And so thank you so much for talking about it. I really appreciate it, Sarah. Oh, thank you. I've, I'm, so I like still am so thrilled that I was a part of it and it doesn't really feel real. So I, I'm, I love talking about it. And um, yeah, thank you for, for having me.